Under the Hood <laughs> with Jonathan Hood. Let's get it. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Ball runs. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky, Robinson, Allen Robinson, touchdown Bears. Back with the interception, and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. And a lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. DeMarc in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage, he came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, man. Put a body on that man, please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got a go. 30, 20, 10. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, also on Instagram, IGJHood. My friends, we are broadcasting live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. So, we're going to talk about the Cubs here this half hour. Also, we've got Throwback Thursday for you as well. we got a good one, as always, for Throwback Thursday. And a pair of tickets for the basketball tournament finals on Tuesday, August 6th at the Trust Arena. If you want to go, I got your hookup. It's our way of saying thanks for listening to Under the Hood weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 312-332-ESPN is our telephone number. So... We had planned to just wait for the Cubs game to end and provide you a little post game. The Cubs game has not ended. It's all going to be three hours old pretty soon here, but, and they're in the uh, top of the ninth and the Cubs are going to lose this one eight to nothing or eight to something. We'll tell you the final when we get there, but they're going to lose this ball game. Let's start here and talk some baseball because as I look at this Cubs team, first place in the National League Central. You can take solace in that the Cubs are leading the division. But what is that really worth? You can't get on the L with that first place Chicago Cubs team. That's not even worth getting on the L or the Metro. Because look at this team. Here's the problem, okay? The way I talk about this Cubs team, the way you talk about this Cubs team, is different than in years past with the Chicago Cubs. I've been talking about the Cubs in my career for a long time, being from Chicago, growing up on the South Side, watching Cubs baseball for a long time. And when I got into my broadcasting career and kind of looked at the ebb and flow of a team, 
Of course, if it was the Cubs, more times than not, the team underachieved. The team didn't get to the playoffs. The team needed to fire their manager because they needed a new voice. They need to be able to have new management, a new GM, a new direction. The ownership wasn't going to change from Wrigley to the Tribune Company to Zam's, Sam Zell. wasn't a lot of, of changes. The Ricketts are the fourth ownership group in my lifetime with the Chicago Cubs. But this is different in 2019 than it is in years past because this isn't one of those underachieving teams that is under 500, a team that's not going anywhere, a team that doesn't have enough talent because this is a different conversation that you and I are going to have about this team. The Cubs are 57, going to be 57 and 51 after this loss tonight against St. Louis. And that, my friends, to me, Despite them being in first place, despite them hanging around first place, the Cubs on August 1st is a dead-ass ball club. Not a last-place ball club, dead-in-the-water, dead-ass ball club. At The same dead-ass ball club, by the way, that could make the playoffs, but you know nothing's happening. In your heart of hearts, you can click your heels, you can scream up to the top of your lungs about Cubs baseball, but I have been watching this long enough to see that the Cubs, even with the things that they did, even with the changes that they made here at the deadline, they're just ancillary changes. It's not like significant changes. First of all, the whole trade deadline wasn't very good anyway. It was very dull. You juxtapose that to the NBA trade deadline or what the NFL does. It was kind of dull. It was relievers for relievers' sake, and you're moving a few pieces around. we got to wait till waivers, and maybe something will really hit. But very few significant moves outside of the Astros and a couple other teams where they really did something special. You have to realize what the Cubs are. The Cubs are a team that was built to be in the playoffs every year through 2021. One of the things I said a lot is that the Cubs are built to win as long as Theo Epstein is in the mix as the president of baseball operations. As long as Jed Hoyer's around, they're built to win. But what level of winning are we talking about with this Cubs team? For real, for real. What are we really talking about? I've talked all summer about the core being good enough. That means Rizzo. That means Bryant. That means Baez. That means Schwarber. That means Jason Hayward. That means John Lester. That means Jose Quintana. That means Yu Darvish. That means Steve Ciszek. That means a, a number of other players like Wilson Contreras, uh, Caratini. There is enough. But when you underachieve offensively, again, you're not going anywhere. You're not sustainable. This is a straw house at Clark and Addison. It is. It's a straw house. You one what you you blow it down and it's over. This is it's not built like a brick house in the past. It's not built to win. Again, the course should be good enough, but you see, the one thing that I'm gonna focus on, and maybe you should as well, watching this team, is that instead of pointing the finger or the, the excuses of Joe Mad's not getting the message through, or you know, the hitting coach, they got the wrong hitting coach again, or the pitching coach is not getting through to the bullpen. You know what the issue is? You lose as a team. Everybody's underachieving. Everybody. There's so much pressure on everybody, including the manager, Joe Madden, who always looks like he's just 
uh, you know, a, a step away from having another glass of wine. Like nothing bothers him. He's got his feet up. You know, this cerebral manager that it just speaks flowery about philosophy in Major League Baseball and and the mindset of a team and all that. You know what? Joe Madden is the least of the problems for the Cubs. And you know who's going to get fired? Joe Madden. Madden may not make the season, but you know what? I will tell you right now, you could fire Joe Madden tonight. The Cubs aren't changing anytime soon. They can fire him tonight. That doesn't mean it's going to change. Understand where the Cubs are as we talk about the Cubs with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. When you look at this team, most teams are in the middle or in the basement say, man, I wish I had a John Lester. Man, I wish I had Jose Quintana. Man, I, I wish I had a Kyle Hendricks. I wish I was able to have those type of pitchers, battle-tested pitchers on my roster. Man, I wish I wish we had someone like Chris Bryant as a cornerstone over at third base. Man, it would be really good to be able to have the upside of Schwarber. What could he do for the team? Jason Hayward, all those things. As the Cubs officially lose 8 nothing in Bush to the St. Louis Cardinals. Keep in mind, you have a lot of guys in the core that could be able to pay dividends for this Cubs team. But they are a dead-ass ball club. That's what the Cubs are. And I I do not see a path for this Cubs team to all of a sudden catch fire. And, and again, baseball, because it's a long season, you get on the street, you get on a roll, great. But I mean, what do you got to do, sing Gloria? You got to try to find some kind of bad song to rally around? I, I And this is why also it's different with this Cubs team, right? Because you have a bunch of guys in that clubhouse that have won. You, it's not like Joe Madden is just this dark cloud over the team that says, you know what, I, I can't win because Joe is not putting us in the right direction. He's not getting, putting us in a position to win. Look at the roster. Here's where you look at. You look at Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. Theo Epstein comes to Boston, helps the Red Sox after that long, long, long time of futility finally be a winning team and since then still the Red Sox are a winning team but Epstein a big part of that Jed Hoyer um, with the Cubs and, and Theo Epstein there is a World Series championship and it's great and the Cubs were able to do that but you see the expectations has changed over at Clark and Addison it's not just about you know getting to the playoffs back in the day when I was coming up in 84 it was great 89 was great late 90s it was great to be able to get into the playoffs but sustained success is what matters. But see, when, when you win the World Series, unless you're a one-off like the Sox were in 05, unless you are just a, a one-off, you expect to get back there again. I said at the time, the windows open through 2021 for this Cubs team to win multiple championships. But see, when you are given money and you abuse that money by not getting the right players, that's on Theo and Jed. It's on the team for underachieving. Because, again, the core should be good enough. But when you do have some money in hand to be able to make a change, you don't say, you know what we should do? We should find a closer now. It's April for Kimbrell. It's not even August. It's April. So now he's got to work through the kinks. He may never be sharp uh, coming out of that closer spot all the time because he didn't pitch for a long time. You're looking for relief help. And this is the same Cubs team that has the, the money to be able to get that relief help. And you're still trying to piecemeal it together. And on August 1st, 
You don't know if C-Sheck should be the eighth guy. You see a stroke go down to injury. He underachieved. You're try- now you're trying to get something from Kyle Ryan. You, you, you didn't use Kinsler correctly, and now he's like, well, maybe should- Kinsler should be toward the, you know, the seventh or eighth. And may- you know, Tyler Chatwood was a major mistake. You Darvish between you and I, a huge mistake. Said at the time, said at the time in this chair that you Darvish was did not have the same you Darvish stuff that he had when he was in on other teams. I said, why is you Darvish on this team? Why you're, you're out dumbing the room by bringing Darvish in the mix? Darvish is not going to be a difference maker. Had a nice July. Give him credit for that. But you shouldn't have to wait for a guy to give you six innings and say and pat him on the head and say, you know, good job, you. You should be doing it all the time for a veteran uh, for a veteran pitcher. But when we're looking at the Bodies and the Descalsos and the Addison Russells, Addison Russell, more more teams across Major League Baseball would have just let that guy go. Domestic violence, get out. Why do you have to be? Uh, why do you have to be? Uh, you know the pastor over this situation why do you have to be the one to try to uh, kind of coddle addison russell in this spot addison russell seems to be not necessarily a great defender had some brain cramps out there going through a tough time and you put him out there in, in difficult situations it's tough for him and it's tough for the ball club you think he's ready to play it's just amazing and so this team is underachieving because it starts from the top from Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer. You remember in the offseason, we continue to play that soundbite from Tom Ricketts talking about, well, you know, we didn't go after Machado. We didn't go after this guy because we just don't have any money. Of course, Jordan Cornette asked him, you know, about the money situation. And then, of course, Ricketts went to the, the opposite way. He said, oh, no, I never said we didn't have any money. He clearly said they didn't have enough money. Again, commitment to winning. Yankees commitment to winning, Astros commitment to winning, Red Sox commitment to winning, the Cubs, they they cut off the money. And you know what? Quite frankly, Ricketts, it's okay for you to cut off the money because it's not like you didn't give any money to Theo and Jed. You gave them money to spend. They spent on the wrong guys. It is. Uh, it, I look at this roster and I look at the underachievement of this team and it is, uh, it's a different feel of, for Cubs baseball then a team that's under 500, dead in the water in April, May, June. August 1st, this team does not look like they're rallying around their manager. They, and they don't look like they're trying to win for themselves. So I, I don't know what this is, but this is not good enough. And if you're a Cubs fan and you think that there's going to be some kind of spark, uh, that's fine. But I don't see a spark happening because they I, I, you would have saw it by now. But you got to wait until mid-August, September to start moving this, moving the chain. It's not great for the Cubs at this point in time. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Some thoughts about the deadline for the Cubs. Castellanos is on this team here. The right fielder, he was one for three in this game. Cubs, by the way, had one hit, and that was from the newest Cub. One hit. Some stats from Jesse on the game today. So they lost 8-1. They had three total base runners today. Lost one eight, hit, two walks. Lost 8-0. Eight nothing. Uh, they've gone three and six on this road trip. They're now down to twenty one and thirty three on the road overall. Second worst in the NL. They were two up when the division when the road trip started. Now they're one down, and it's the fiftieth game this season in which the Cubs batters have struck out at least ten times. Second most in baseball. That's in, just let that sink in for a second. Think about that. This is a lineup with Hayward in it, and Brian in it, and Rizzo in it, and Baez in it, and Contreras. And 
They look terrible. They look terrible. Jesse Rogers on the Cubs moves at the deadline. There's so much turnover here. I mean, I got to we got to get to know these new guys. The one thing I do like, especially about those pitching additions, they've been through the wars a little bit. I mean, Phelps pitched in New York. He's been there. He's done that. He understands what it's going to take. Derek Holland has pitched in some big games. I do like all that stuff. And maybe Castellanos not so much playing for Detroit, but early on I think he was in the in the playoffs with them. And I'm, I worry more about pitchers that come in in the pennant race. You know, they're alone on the mound there and having to deal with all of it. So I do like that aspect of it. But I think we have to look at these moves with a little bit of a skeptical eye. Yes, they filled the holes. But think about the, the, uh, what Toronto did. They moved Daniel Hudson a little bit more accomplished this year. The Cubs get David Phelps, right, who's coming off. Uh, Tommy John. Um, the Giants move Pomerantz a little bit more accomplished this year to the Brewers. The Cubs get the guy that San Francisco DFA'd Derek Holland. Look at Houston. They DFA'd Tony Kemp, right? So it wasn't the top-tier guys that the Cubs got, except for Castellanos, and I give them all the credit. But they did fill the holes. They did get uh, get guys they needed in terms of uh, you know problems with this team and the roster. So I'm with you. Now they've hopefully fixed a few things maybe it's not all with you know grade a additions but it's good enough and now it's on manage uh, the manager the coaches and the players no doubt but in the same interview jesse says in terms of quantity yes they filled every single hole but i don't know if the quality is completely there um and again it, 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 everything's relative i mean i'm sure they would say it differently but they picked up two guys that were dfa'd off of other teams and another guy that had Tommy John surgery and has only pitched 17 games since then, right? Um, now, Castellanos was the prize, though, no doubt. One of the better hitters on the market, and they got him. And they gave up a decent, you know, you know two, two pitching prospects. That's a, that's a good haul for Detroit. Um, so that one was good. But you saw other players maybe of higher caliber, at least on paper, move to other teams. I mentioned this to Cap. You know, Pomerantz moves to the Brewers. Well, he's probably a level above uh, Derek Holland, I think. I'm not positive, but I think. Daniel Hudson's probably a level above David Phelps, who's just getting back. He was moved. And then Tony Kemp was a guy that was expendable for, for Houston. So uh, I don't want to you know, rain on their parade, but let's see. Let's see how these guys contribute um, before we say just because they picked up four guys, they won the trade deadline. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can do that. But Castellano certainly was a need. They filled a hole. Then again, they filled a hole last year with Daniel Murphy, and it didn't work out for their offense. So it can't just be about one guy. True. All that's true from Jesse Rogers right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood with you on Under the Hood. It's, it's, uh, it, it's different. This isn't like Riggleman needs to be fired, Dusty needs to go. This is different. Joe Madden's going to get fired here. And for what? Because Theo Epstein underachieved at his job? See, it's funny, the disconnect between Madden and Theo Epstein. Call it for what it is. It's a disconnect. Guy wins a World Series for you. And again, the team wins the World Series. When you win, you win together, right? So the team wins the World Series. Joe Madden's the manager. And no matter what you think of Madden, is he a B-plus manager, C-plus man, Whatever you think of Joe Madden, he was part of a winning team. He set the environment for the Cubs. They won the World Series. That doesn't that doesn't seem to 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 you that he should have a three year deal after that World Series, you know, a four year deal. Why is this not happening? Why is it not happening? It's because of ego. We talked about this when Joel Quinville was fired. We the, the show was entitled Ego because it's one of our top 
storylines that we talked about on that show. Go back to the archives. Look for the episode called Ego on the Under the Hood podcast. Joe Quinville wins three Stanley Cup championships. Nope, you're not good enough anymore. Why? Why? We won together. We underachieve a little bit together. So you just you know, you know, let him go. Let him go to the Florida Panthers. Why? Why do you do that? Especially with the core still being there. Same thing's going to happen with the Cubs. Same thing. Man's going to be let go here. And this core is just not getting it done. Some thoughts now from uh, Eduardo Perez was talking about number. No, I'm not going to go there because he was talking about the Astros, so we won't do that. Um, But uh, it's just, uh, it's really something watching this ball club as talented as they are and for them to just let down. I'm looking up at Kaplan after the game here, and he looks like he's going to explode through that white coat. He looks like, Kaplan looks like he's going to explode. That white coat makes his angry red head red because he's yelling. His face is really red, standing out so much against that white coat. He is literally arms in the air, doesn't know what to do. You know what pisses me off is I'm not even a Cubs fan. What pisses me off is these, I don't, there's no volume and I don't want to hear it, but just this DeJesus laughing. I, he, he's chilling, leaning back in the chair there. Can I tell you something? When the Sox lose, there is no smiling from Melton. Ozzy certainly is not either. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you can tell you right now, there's no smile from Frank. No. Right now, there's no smiling from Pesednik. But, you know, Cubs, Cubs are, are losing this season, and there's DeJesus, who's horrible, by the way. Horrible at his job. And he's there sitting there, and he's just, he's just pointing and smiling and laughing. Just, it's unbelievable. And, and, and Kaplan, he, he looks like he's going to fire out of that chair and, and tackle him. That's what, that's what he, because I can understand. It's like his team is is just falling apart, and there's the Jesus with his with his fancy tie, and he's just laughing and it's leaning back in a chair because, God forbid, he says something interesting on that broadcast. God forbid. Three one two three three two ESPN is our phone number. It's, it's incredible. I'm seeing this column here written by Jesse. I guess he was writing it in um, while the game was going on because he knew they were going to lose. Um, Madden on the on the Cubs at bats. It's big boy time. <laughs> when it's been big boy time since April. Why? Why at any point in the season should it not be considered quote big boy time? <laughs> right now, Nick Madrigal and Luis Robert are playing little boy time in AAA. It's big boy time the second you're called up. God, it's unbelievable. And Jack Flaherty, hats off. He, I mean, looking at some of the highlights. Uh, what he was able to bring, nine strikeouts, two walks, one hit surrendered. He had the, the Cubs hitters at bay uh, a lot in this game. One hit, and that was from the newest Cub. And that stat that you gave me, uh, Eric, that was from Jesse's Twitter, is the 50th game this season in which Cubs batters have struck out at least 10 times second most in the National League. That I mean, that's to me, that, that's all Chili Davis. It's been a narrative the last three seasons. Well, I mean, but you, but the hitting coach is the problem, though. Yeah. See, this is a, this is this used to be the Sox problem. Like you just keep firing Greg Walker. You keep blaming him for the problem. Sometimes a team just slumps together. They're slumping together, and it just doesn't make any sense because the talent's there. Okay. All I say is this: is that if you have enough money to spend, okay, spend it on the right guys and stop trying to piecemeal it. Stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Steel Epstein. Well, Theo, here's a, here's a poll question at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Will Theo Epstein remain in his position 
through the 2021 season? Yes or no? I'd like to see how that comes back. You know what's coming up next? That's throwback. Jonathan Hood. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? When I would have asked tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning? On ESPN 1000. Maybach music. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Before Snapchat. What is that? Before Twitter. So what's the sitch? There was. That's so throwback. Those were the good times. That's so throwback. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Throwback Thursday memories. I see a little silhouette of a man. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Put your hands up. The throwback. All you need is love. Throwback. Taking it back. Go back. The throwback. Throwback. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Let's Throwback. Throwback Thursday, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood with you. We've got tickets to give away to the basketball tournament finals on Tuesday, August 6th at the Wintrust Arena. Teams have a shot to win $2 million in this single elimination tournament. For more information and tickets, go to thetournament.com, thetournament.com. If you want to go, I'm going to give them away here this half hour. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Can I tell you what Throwback Thursday is? It's memories from back in the day. Here's our topic. Our topic is this. So, a couple days ago, we talked about a 16-year-old who won $3 million playing Fortnite. Can you believe that? In a tournament tournament style, a 16-year-old won $3 million playing Fortnite. Could you imagine the amount of young ladies that was at his locker trying to go to prom with him? That's just amazing. I was like, oh, my God, Billy, you won $3 million playing Fortnite. Oh, my God. He's definitely taking a senior to prom as a sophomore. <laughs> probably, probably <laughs> no so. doubt. He will outkick his coverage as a 16-year-old. Absolutely. But nonetheless, the question we have for you is, which video game from back in the day would you win a tournament in? It? So if a 16-year-old won $3 million in Fortnite, think about you, the video game which you know you would have won a tournament and won $3 million with. Okay? So... We got some great responses on Facebook, Facebook.com, Jonathan Hood. That's the question. Which video game from back in the day would you have won a tournament in for $3 million? So we go through the list. Ted, my guy Ted Z from Hammond says he was a phenom in Time Pilot. Whoa. (laughs) Fire. <laughs> For those of you that don't know the game, we're not under attack. Right? <laughs> we're not under attack. We're fine. Okay. So, Time Pilot, I remember that well. It's so funny because I'd heard that sound in many, many moon. Um, <laughs> so funny. Didn't expect that. Um, so, uh, Joe Punda. Joe says he never lost. He would have won a $3 million in a tournament if he played in a tournament with Mario Kart. Gotta time it right. 
Number of people said that they would have been like experts in Mario Kart. I played more Mario Kart in college than I did as a kid. In college, we had Mario Kart tournaments like frequently. That's so funny. Keith Jorgensen also says Mario Kart. He also <laughs> believes he could have got it done in Mario Kart as well. <laughs> as we do Throwback Thursday. The throwback. Let's throw back. Right here with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Um, 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. What is the tournament that you would have won $3 million with? The video game that was your favorite, that you know you would have won a tournament in. Our best story, we'll hook you up with tickets to see the basketball tournament uh, at the Wintrust Arena. If you want to go, I got your hookup. It's August 6th on Tuesday night at Wintrust Arena. If you want to go, got your tickets, but you got to call me, 312-332-ESPN. Otherwise, I'll go myself. I'll go. And then you'll be stuck without tickets. My cousin Lisa, she says that she would have won $3 million playing Pac-Man. <laughs> you didn't hear, didn't, didn't you play Pac-Man? Did I, you know I he's didn't realize die? there was that long of a delay between the death. Yes. I was going to say the 80s was one long acid trip, wasn't it? <laughs> Listen to these. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Since you asked, yes. Death throwback. Somebody said Knockout Kings. Sorry, Dave. So, what did you say? So, who would you apply that music to? Um, uh, one of my exes. <laughs> From back in the day, here on Throwback Thursday, here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. There's more Mario Kart on here. Alex Quigley said he would have been able to be big in Mario Kart. Here's one that I didn't expect. Uh, Keith Jorgensen says he would have won three million dollars playing Golden Eye. There it is. You know, I'm going to give, I want all three of us to give our choices, Sean and, uh, and Eric. I will, I'll start first. Mine would have been, I didn't ask you guys to put it in because uh, we're short on time here, but it would have been Defender or it would have been Early Madden. The Early Madden when it first came out. A couple of, a couple of years of Madden. I'm playing Madden now, by the way. It's not bad. A lot of Patrick Mahomes on there. Um, and Trubisky's not very good. Has any one of you, any of you guys played Madden? I haven't played the new I one, no. I played the new one yet. Yeah, no. Trubisky is... It's uh, probably fast. You can roll out with him. You talk about reality. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there, there's a reason that the players get so offended. Because it's... Uh, I guess you have to throw the bubble screens a lot. I mean, he, he runs, but he... Uh, man, it's not great. I thought it would have been upgraded from last year that he gave him a little something, but no, he's still, he deserved that 70. I think it's 70. Who was your squad on their early, Matt? 85 Bears? 
Uh, no. Dallas. Dallas? <laughs> so, Stacked. Stacked. Dallas. The thing is, is the Madden playbook from then and now is maybe add 10 plays. If you want to play me in Madden, please don't. But if you want to play me in Madden, <laughs> it's, uh, what screen name did I go with this year? It's, uh, Nagy's Trick Play. Oh, oh, instead of name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about that? Right. How about that? All right. I like it. Nagy's Trick Play. But don't, but I will not play you because I'm, <laughs> I'm still learning some of the intricacies here. I'm going to play uh, you know some uh, some individual games off to the side and get warmed up, get ready. Right, we're we're in training camp still. <laughs> so, exactly, we're so, just cracking pads. Hoodies on Madden, Nagy Strip. You said no. Yes, I did say no. <laughs> I, I warned you. I'll <laughs> <laughs> so throwback Thursday. Oh, there's another one too. Um, but we'll get to. So, Eric, if you, again, just like the 16-year-old that won Fortnite, right? Which video game from back in the day would you win a tournament in? It was actually one that we just touched on, and it's it's GoldenEye. No doubt it's GoldenEye for me. Why? I know every inch of every map on that game. Like, every scene, every room. Like, I still, like, as he was, Sean was cutting some of the audio for it, he had it up. I could name every inch of that map. We used to get yelled at because that was one of the first games where you could like plug in all four controllers and actually shoot each other and play. We used to like I would look at someone else's little box and know what room they're in and then run to the room and then get yelled at no screen looking like come on. <laughs> but Goldeneye was definitely my go-to. I like somebody put it here. Paul Phillips says Pac-Man's old lady. I think that would be Mrs. Pac-Man. That would be the one. I think, yeah. I, I think that's Mrs. Pac-Man. You know, you gotta remember. Put some respect on that. When you're an '80s kid, by the way, you play just ru- just rudimentary, average Pac-Man, right? It, it had a certain speed. Honestly, on the at the arcade, man, you go to Ford City, you go to the arcade, and they, and they put in Miss Pac-Man. It's a little faster. Didn't expect it to. It had a little speed to it. Did it not? A better Davis? game than Pac-Man. A little, a little speed to yeah. it. Didn't expect that. She was faster too. <laughs> she was fast. On a Throwback Thursday. Sean, if, the, if you had to win $3 million to win a tournament, what would be your go-to video game? Definitely college football's national championship on Sega Genesis. Welcome to the game between the UCLA Bruins and the Michigan Wolverines. The kicking team comes on. The Wolverines set to receive. It's on its way. And he's got it. Across the 20. He draws it out. 40 straight free. 40 he could go all the way. 10. And he's in. Incredible. Puts him in the lead. The Wolverines lead with the score 6 to nothing. <laughs> now, this was the first video Look game. Look Eric. We need computer-generated voices doing all of football play-by-play from now on. The excitement. That was incredible. It was the first football game that I saw where they would actually celebrate and take their helmets off in the end zone. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, our childhood. That's what it was. Here's one for you. He's not even trolling. He's He's just sleepy. Lynn Bramer put in there Monopoly. WXRT's <laughs> He's just tired. He hasn't he hasn't slept since the Reagan administration. So he he so it's no, he had no idea even what the question was. He just put in Monopoly. 
XRT's Lynn Bramer just put in Monopoly. Monopoly, not a video game at the time. All right, as we do Throwback Thursday here on ESPN 1000, ESPN at Dave Shimpkis, he says Tecmo Bowl. Kevin Cathy on a Throwback Thursday throwback. says Contra! Yes. No, we're not being attacked. <laughs> we have to let people know. Let's just I heard on the thousand signal a whole bunch of shooting. We got lasers coming at them. <laughs> Run for your lives! It's not happening. Calm down, Inverness. Everything's fine. <laughs> Nothing's happening there. On a throwback Thursday. Throwback. What's up, Will? Hey, man, I love your show. You always got the best topics, my dude. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely. Real quick, my phone's going to die. Oh, man, I love this topic. You remember that game for N64 Blitz? NFL Midway presents NFL. Oh, man. Oh, man. I would. Oh, man. To this day, I got an N64 at the house, man. I'd still run it. Take your money. I. I used to tell myself, singing to myself down uh, back in the day, uh, cruising down the street with my six foe, looking for challenges. <laughs> Thank you, Will. There you are, everybody. Will from Melrose checking in. Here on Throwback Thursday. You know, eventually, you know, if I really... I spent a lot of time with Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. For those of you that remember the Nintendo game, you know, it was... Uh, who was it, Davis? Mike Tyson Punch Out was in there with what was that? Was it Frogger? No, that's the wrong. It was like two games in one. No, it was like Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt. That, yes. that was in the same. It was in the same package. And the pro wrestling came in there as well. So yeah, mine had Mike Tyson Punch Out. Oh, wait a minute. Keep going with that. <laughs> so bad. So to Popinski. Um, so in King Hippo. And, and so quality uh, quality game there. If I spent enough time with that, I probably would have taken three. I would have won $3 million in that. But it wasn't you against someone else. It was you against the game. It took me a while to get to Mike Tyson, though. He was tough. But I finally figured it out. Finally figured out the formula. On a throwback Thursday with Jonathan Hood. Throwback. I would have got you at NBA Jam, definitely at Ford City. Welcome to NBA Jam. Here's the tip. Isolino, Harper, Harper, Porter, Grant. Is everybody okay? Ooh. <laughs> That's how you play defense. You pushed people. Okay, I'll, I'll, street ball game. I'll ask you, Eric. Okay, let me ask you just very briefly. Yep. 
when you hear and watch some of the stuff that Davis and I grew up on from the 80s, okay, what is it comes to your mind? Because this is not your era, but you see this. How primitive does this look to you through millennials' eyes? It it literally not doesn't only does it look pixelated, it is pixelated. Like you know how like when you take bad pictures, like oh, let me redo that one. I see a couple squares because the camera. Everything is pixelated, so it just seems like something was drawn up in the sand type thing. Dude, this is all we had. I know, and then the sound, the audio is so <laughs> synthesized, is so and it's just hilarious. They should reboot NBA Jam with current players. I think you grew up in the wrong era, Eric. I will agree with that. Because if you grew up in that era, you just would have just been like, wow, what, what, what is this? What's going on? But this is the technology. It was the breakthrough. Exactly. What? It was the biggest thing there was at the time. If I can get it hooked up, I do have the original Pong game in my basement. I have that. See, that, how boring is that, uh, though? 2600? But let me, you got that, too. Yeah. Uh, sister had 52. We both had 78 together. But no, but Pong, keep it. It's 1977. I'm five, right? <laughs> yeah. Pong's out, and there's two sticks, one on one side of the screen, one on the other. First of all, to see anything besides the Three Stooges or whatever right. is on television <laughs> on our seven sta- uh, channels that we had was just amazing that you could actually switch it to something else, right? One paddle, one, one paddle on one side, one paddle on the other, and there's a ball in between, and you're playing tennis with your friend. That was entertainment. I mean, it was what I, I... It's the late 70s. Uh, no. What, do we have anything else? I know, but but they complained about us millennials can't, like, go out. And then you guys were supposed to have fun outdoors. We don't do that anymore. We had we did both. <laughs> you did. <laughs> we, did we did both. God, Pong would not fly in today's world. People would just immediately pass by that. Immediately. My cousin, my cousin, also, uh, my cousin uh, T. Marie says Tetris. She would have beat somebody in Tetris with $3 million. Kind of similar. I was so good at Snake on my original Nokia cell phone. Pardon expression? If you pardon it, yes. Her name was Nokia. <laughs> Jonathan Hood. ESPN 1000, Under the Hood, with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. They're in a slow patch right now, and, and when it happens collectively, you just don't score. And the other factor is you're talking about a team that scores nearly half their runs on the home run. So when you live and die by the home run, and then you run into some buzzsaw pitching staffs that keep the ball in the ballpark, or you just get cold, all of a sudden the zeros start popping up. So it's a tough formula, and it's not like they have speed and manufacturers really at the, and the top of the order keeps changing. So they have some things to work out on how they're going to bring in these new players with Castellanos, how they're going to make it more consistent. And then, of course, the bullpen just adding flames to the fire today. Lester battled a couple runners on base, and all of a sudden the Weeders home run, and then it was just out of hand. Yep, that's right, Doug Lanville, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. Yep, Doug Lanville bringing the analysis. It's needed. It's good to hear from him. Because the Cubs lose 8 to nothing at Bush Stadium. And looking at this Cubs team, I don't see a path forward for them to be able to make any noise of any sort. Are they going to make the playoffs? That's a question. Will they make the playoffs? We, I, I'd imagine so, but it, it just seems dead. And it's not, you know, remember last year, the conjecture and all the talk from, from John Lester. John Lester had the best quote last year. He said, you know, sometimes you got to get your blank knocked into the dirt for you to understand 
like the seriousness of the situation. And the Cubs have had their blank knocked in the dirt time and time again, and it's an underachieving ball club. Eric, I'm going to need some poll questions here. I know we had a few poll questions at ESPN 1000. Like in to remind you that Harley Race, the eight-time NWA heavyweight champion, passed away today. If you're a wrestling fan, check out the podcast. It's on. It's at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. It's at Wrestling TWT. It's on my Twitter, Twitter.com, TweetJHood. It's on ESPNChicago.com. It's a special podcast I did talking about the life and times of the great Harley Race who passed away. It's all part of our wrestling package that we do uh, for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right, what do we have here? When you see Tom Brady, does he look like a 41-year-old quarterback to you? 71% said no. Yeah, it doesn't seem like an old quarterback. And because of the way the defenses are tailored, or, or the, I'm sorry, the way officiating is tailored, where it's pro offense, the, the NFL wants more points on the board, defenses cannot be able to do what they want to do. Uh, and so Brady just needs a good offensive line, and he'll be there forever. Right, he can just he makes such quick decisions. Brady at 41-year-old quarterback versus Vinny Tessaverde at 41-year-old quarterback, the looks couldn't be any more different. By the way, just between you and I, Belichick would loved to, would have loved to make that change, but they traded Garoppolo. Right. I, they, they might have done that by now. And Jacoby Brissett. Because you know Belichick. He likes to do it a couple of years er, too early. Like he, he doesn't want to trade you or get rid of you while you're on the way down. It's while you're still good. He wanted to get rid of Brady, I think, a few years ago and could not. Does it smell like training camp when defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano says, we love ball? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> 82% said yes, it does. Smells it like smells ball. like it when he says this. Yes. Will Theo remain as the Cubs president of baseball operations in 2021? 53% said yes. So that one's tight. Very well could be. But Madden will be out, and, that's, and I don't think that's the right call. You get better players, you don't need to fire the manager. And that's the whole thing. Even if you get better players, nothing's guaranteed for you to win the World Series. But, you know, you've got to find something to increase your chances to do so. The core is there, but what, are, what can you place around the core? This is not a Zobrist issue. It's not a Descalso issue. This is not a David Ross issue. What it comes down to is getting better players, bullpen, and guys that can give Bryant a blow, Rizzo a blow, Schwarber a blow. All these guys playing every day. They just don't have the depth. We thank you for listening. And being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Matt Fortuna, Emmett Golden, and Jesse Rogers for being with us. Show produced by Eric and Sean on the other side of the glass. Saturday and Sunday, I'll be on with Jeff Dickerson for Dickerson and Hood. It's going to be right here on ESPN 1000 after the Yankees and Red Sox game and before the Red Sox-Yankee game on Sunday. The Harley Race podcast is up. Harley Race passes away. We talk about it on the Under the Hood podcast. Check it out. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We talk about the passing Harley race. Talk to you Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000.